0: Turn with me tonight, friends, to again to the Gospels, to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 23. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. (coughs) verse 44 and it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst and when Jesus had cried with a loud voice he said Father into thy hands I commend my spirit having said thus he gave up the ghost Father into thy hands I commend my spirit and so in our study of the words of Jesus from the cross we have seen compassionate saviour, a caring saviour, a kingly saviour, and now a committed saviour. And as we have portrayed these different pictures, friends, I want you to ask yourself, is this your saviour? Can you say tonight, he is mine? Do you recognize this as the one who has taken your soul into his keeping for eternity? I think we can learn something about this commitment from uh, what we read here, the last words that we hear From Christ on the cross. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Why are these the chosen words which he used? They are, of course, the prayer that had to be uttered at this hour, for in everything he was fulfilling the scriptures and acting out what was appointed from the beginning. (coughs) And oh, how necessary this was, that with his last breath he should utter this prayer so that all heard it, and it's there embedded in the Scriptures for you, for you, friend, He's cried with a loud voice. Can you hear it? Can you hear that voice tonight? What is he saying? Well, perhaps there are three things that we can mention. We can mention a father found or the father found. The father trusted The Father glorified. The Father found, friends. Remember what we were saying this morning. How he said, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? The one who had walked with the Father, who said as a child, I must be about my father's business who said, as we quoted already tonight, I do always these things that please my Father in heaven. Or to quote the psalm, To do thy will I take delight, O thou my God that art. And yet it came to this in taking on our condemnation, He lost, he lost that sight of the father for whom he lived. It was a horrific experience. It was his damnation, his hell, to lose. So that he cried out, Why hast thou forsaken me? But we notice that after these three hours, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, when the sun was darkened, that the darkness parted and the light came back. Mm. And we can think that at that time, Jesus again came to the precious realisation that he was the son of the Father And so he cried out to him. It had taken these three hours of darkness, of wrestling with sin and with the powers of darkness, all the forces that are arrayed against humanity to destroy and damn them. All these had to be wrestled with and conquered until he emerged back into the light in triumph and was able to say, it is finished. That's what is mentioned when it says, Jesus cried with a loud voice. And then he added this, knowing that all was done, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He had found the Father. And so he found the one who was not merely my God, but he was my Father. And um, he quoted verses from Psalm 31, as you will have realized as we sang that psalm. So what is it about uh, these truths on which he depended that brought this wonderful realization? Well, he discovered that the Lord was his rock. (coughs) because thou art my rock and thee I for my fortress take. Into thy hands I do commit my spirit. He found that instead of falling into the abyss, instead of finding no bottom to that hell and destruction, he found that there was a rock. He planted... He found his feet were on a rock and that rock was his father because thou art my rock. And so he was able to move forward having emerged from the darkness on that rock, on that pavement of his acceptance with the father. Thou art my rock. Again and again in the Psalms, we find that the Messiah, in the form of David, said, Because thou art my rock, in thee my confidence I place. For thou hast not forsaken them that truly seek thy face. Do you have this rock? Do you have this, Father Amidst the storms, how much we need a firm footing, how we need to know the Father. That gives you a rock. He's not merely my God, he is my rock. Then secondly, we can say, he is not merely my Father, but he is my truth. That's why we read in John chapter 17, about what Jesus says about his Father. He says in verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Pilate had asked, what is truth? The world doesn't know what truth is. The only source of truth is God. And the Lord Jesus, the Son, has that truth because he is the way to the Father, the source of that truth. Thy word is truth. And so as he looks and recognizes his Father, he says, you are my truth. Remember what he said, I, do, I, I say, I speak what my Father has spoken. I always speak the words that he has given me. And so Jesus spoke all these things. He was not the origin of these truths. They were given to him by the Father. And here we are returning. He's got, He's recovered his hold upon the truth. Friends, are you holding to the truth? Are you saying, I can't depend what I'm hearing these days around me. We're living in such a, A fog of falseness. Everything seems to be fake. But truth exists in the midst of that shifting sand. There's the rock of his truth. And if you have the Father, you have that truth for yourself. You have a claim upon it. You have access to it. You know its power. The sanctifying power. The truth washes away the defilement as you latch on and hold on to the truth. He's found the Father, the Father of truth. He's found the Father in this way also, that as he comes with this prayer to the Father, it's not about his body that he is concerned, It's about his spirit. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. You might say, well, we know that Jesus is the Son of God. Why does he now have to approach the Father? What spirit is this? We read something from Psalm 139, didn't we? And, um... If you read on to verse uh, verse 10, you'll see what the psalmist says in prophecy of what Christ is saying here. And if you look at verse 7, From thy spirit whither shall I go, or from thy presence fly? Ascend I, heaven, O thou art there, there even hell I lie. Take I the morning wings, and dwell in utmost parts of seen, there, Lord, Shall thy hand me lead thy right hand? Hold shall me. Do you understand why he's committing himself to this? Father, from thy spirit, whither shall I go? His spirit, his human spirit, because that's what he's talking about. He's here in his humanity. He's committing his human spirit into the presence of that one whose hand will lead me, thy right hand shall hold me. The hand of God, the hand of the Father. Well, you see, I don't think God had hands. Well, of course, what, what he's saying is, it's the power, the power, the applied power, the practical power of God. Thy hand leads me. That hand that spread the heavens. That That hand that formed the dry land. That hand is the hand into which he commends his spirit for care and keeping. Thy right hand hold shall me. Again, friends. You're trusting in the Savior, are you? Are you sensing that the Father has that grip, that hold not only about your, on your body, but much rather upon your soul, that you can entrust your soul to his everlasting arms? Trust him today. trust him tonight, friends. Christ did it. The Father is waiting for you to do it. So the Father was found. Then secondly, the Father was trusted. (coughs) The Father was trusted. This is a prayer of confident trust, isn't it? Father, into thy hands. I commend my spirit. Why is he doing this? Well, it's because... He knows who his father is he's been through battling with all the raging powers of sin and corruption and darkness and devilment and he's trusting in his father he's trusting in his father's name another of the psalms that speaks of the sufferings of Christ 22 tells us this But thou art holy, thou that dost inhabit Israel's praise. It's the holy name. What a refuge for the weary saviour. After all that battle, he's found an oasis of holiness. It's the name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Friends. Follow this example. Blessed is he in God's great name that cometh us to save. Take that name, dwell on it, and pray, hallowed be thy name. He trusted in the Father, he trusted in his name. He trusted, as we've mentioned, in the Father's hand, why? Because there was no power in all the world and in all <coughs> hell itself to compare with this mighty hand of the Father. If you look at Psalm seventeen again and how often our Saviour dwells in the Psalms, you mention we can mention the Psalm we can mention the work of the Father. Hold up my goings, Lord, me guide in those thy paths divine, so that my footsteps may not slide out of those ways of thine. This was a path that no other human had followed. No other human, no other man had gone through this experience that Christ had gone through. And here he was now at the end, the termination of his earthly Pilgrimage, what now? It's as if he was moving out into the unknown. It's like that Sam the late king, George VI quoted uh, not a Sam but a poem. He said, I spoke to the man at the gate of the year and said, Can you give me a light? And the answer he got was better than a light is to put your hand into the hand of God. Powerful scripture truth, isn't it? The powerful hand. Or to look at Psalm 31 that we read and sang. Again we read of the example of the Christ that we're all to follow. And I ask you, friends, to follow this path of our Saviour tonight because he has pioneered this way for us, Psalm 31, verse 8, and thou hast not enclosed me within the enemy's hand, and by thee have my feet been made in a large room to stand. If he didn't commit himself into the hand of his father, there were other hands waiting. There were bulls of Bashan. There were devils innumerable waiting to try and take away the Saviour. And so he put himself into that powerful, all powerful hand. It says in verse 15 My times are holy in thine hand. Do thou deliver me from the From their hands that mine enemies and persecutors be. Have you found that hand? Or there are other hands grasping at you. Don't give a handle to these other enemies, these enemies of your soul. They will drag you down. But put your faith in this thine hand. Do thou deliver me. It's a hand that's reached out to us like the hand of Jesus in the storm as Peter was sinking. He reached out his hand. Friend, look to that hand today. It's reaching out. The hand that lifted the Saviour into eternity from this world. That's the hand that's offered to you tonight. Not only the Father's name, the Father's hand, but the Father's love. How clearly that came out in our reading tonight. What kind of love is it? It is wonderful love. There's no love to compare with it. And I'm sure Jesus knew this Psalm 31 off by heart and was resorting to it. For it says in verse 21, All praise and thanks be to the Lord, for he hath magnified his wondrous love to me. What's wonderful about it is beyond compare. There's no love for man or woman. To compare with this love his wondrous love to me. And so this Lord, as he trusted the Father, he was entrusting himself to the one of whom he confessed, Thou hast loved me before the world was. Wonderful love. And he suffered so that you could have your share. That they may know the oneness that we have. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one in us. What love is here. If you don't love somebody, you don't want them close to you. But here is love. He wants them, us in him. He's not jealous of the love of his father. He says, I want you to have a share. I've spent my blood so that you may have what I have the love of the father. The father trusted. And then finally, friends, (coughs) excuse me, the father glorified. The father found, refound. Rediscovered. The Father trusted. If Jesus trusts the Father, how much more is it worth, uh, good for us to trust him? And isn't he our example and our master and our guide? The Father glorified. As he prayed this prayer, Father, into thy hand I commend my spirit. It was glorifying. It was after this that the centurion said, glorified God, saying, surely, this is the Son of God. They couldn't hold back, because the glory was there, even on that shameful cross. And so the Father was glorified despite three things. Despite the shame, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned. He stood. It was the shame of desertion. Here's the one who came to buy a people and who said, here in John 17, how much they were precious to him, how they'd been given to him by the Father, and it all seemed to be about them, and yet, where are they? They're nowhere to be seen. He's there alone, as he says in Isaiah 63. I have trodden the winepress alone. And yet, wasn't it all the more glorious that despite having the help that he asked for, despite that they couldn't watch with him one hour, despite that total failure on their part, he went on and set his face as a flint and uh, saw that he fulfilled what the prophet had said long ago in Isaiah, chapter 63, <clears throat> I have trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me, for I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment for the day of vengeance, is in mine heart, and the year of my redeemed is come. And I looked, and there was none to help. I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought salvation, and to me and my fury it upheld me. Friends, despite the shame and the desertion, all was gloriously completed and his enemies were crushed. And so we see, he, the Father, was glorified despite the devil. How present the devil was. We could spend a whole evening studying the activity of the one who was determined to hold on to his evil kingdom and thwart this invader, this mighty warrior, the son of God in our nature. And so, despite the devil, God, the Father, was glorified. You find that in in chapter 13 of John. Eh, The presence of the devil is recognized. Look at verse 21. Then Jesus said, he was troubled in the spirit and testified, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. What a solemn statement this is. Verily, verily. He's setting it down, you might say, in stone, that of those that he trusted, of those whom he had taught, For those who were so close to him and chosen by him, one of them was a traitor. One of you shall betray me. The disciples looked one at another, doubting of whom he spoke. Yes, the devil had been at work in that man. Did he not say, Have I not chosen you twelve, and one of you is a devil? Did that stop? Did that uh, sabotage the work of Christ? No, it only it only made more glorious uh, the victory of the Saviour. That try as he would, the devil couldn't worm his way in sufficiently to bring about any interruption to the glorious path that your Saviour and mine followed until he achieved that glorious a redemption for us. It's alluded to again in Psalm 22. It's as if the Lord lived with these Psalms in his consciousness. For that's what's pictured here when it says, Be not far off, for grief is near, and none to help is found. Bulls many compass me, strong bulls of Bashan meet around. These are Descriptions of the demons, the mighty demons that were, are likened to strong bulls. Imagine being surrounded by wild steers that just um, <clears throat> ready to gore you and trample you. Bulls, many, compassed me. These were the demons. Their mouths, they opened wide on me. Upon me gaped did they, like to a lion, ravening and roaring. For his prey, oh, the devil was furious. The devil was directing all his forces to prevent the Father being glorified. But no. Despite the devil, the Father was glorified. I have glorified thee on earth. I finished the work thou gavest me to do. And despite this, despite the mystery, friends, I want to leave this final thought with you when we deal with these things? Is it if we're plumbing debts that are beyond our grasp and understanding? The Father was glorified, and yet how much can we understand of what the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, in our nature on the cross, was doing when he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. (coughs) The Divine Son didn't just take back that spirit of his when he died. Oh yes, he said, I have power to lay down my life and I have power to take it again. But that was only in cooperation and in union with the purposes of his father. And so, when it came to this, he didn't attempt to do this on his own. He said, Father, you will play your part. I'm willing to trust you. I've found you. You take the glory. There's a great uh, Zulu preacher in South Africa called Pastor Duma. He wasn't a great scholar or anything like that, but he was a man totally given to God and was mightily used in the conversion of thousands. And uh, before he had any series of meetings or preaching in any place, he'd go into the mountain and spend two weeks on his own up in the Drakensberg Mountains, and he'd come back full of the Spirit, and he would preach. And as the word came with power and the people cried out and repented with tears and mighty salvation was wrought, he would shout out, take your glory, Lord. Didn't want any credit to himself. Take your glory, Lord. Wasn't that him following the pattern of his master? Yes, friends, your life can be glorifying. In fact, you're not really a Christian if your life is not bringing glory. That you've so given yourself to the Lord that he's able to take you up and to use you and the Father and the Son and the Spirit take glory from your life of faithful holiness and joyful witness and service. friends, when your day comes to depart from these scenes, will you be able to repeat the prayer of the Son, as he says, Father, into thy hands. I commend my spirit. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, our God, how glorious is that hour of darkness and these cruel, and vicious pains and sorrows. How glorious that thy Son in our nature went through what we dare not go through. Excuse me, for he took our judgment and our eternity in the hands of Satan himself. He broke the power of darkness, and He brought light and immortality. To light, grant us, Lord, to know that life pulsing through our souls, as we adore our Saviour, as we study the more the depths, and the height, the length of the love of Christ, that surpasses knowledge, and all for His glory. Amen. close singing in psalm number 71 at verse 20 psalm 71 verse 20 thou lord to great adversities and sore to me did show shalt quicken and bring me again from depths of earth below my greatness and my power Thou wilt increase and far extend On every side Against all grief Thou wilt me comfort send And so on to the end of this Psalm um, 71 Thou Lord, who great adversities <coughs> uh. Yeah. Uh... The Thanksgiving's tomorrow. Service tomorrow is at seven thirty, taken by Reverend David Ra- Ratty. And Tuesday there's a Zoom meeting at the newly formed Northern Presbytery at twelve noon. <coughs> the prayer meeting on Thursday at the usual time of seven thirty p.m., taken by Mr. Derek McLean. So, notice from Mrs. Kirsty Ferrier of the Melville Knox. Highland Board. Many thanks for your continued prayers for a Christian school in the Highlands. Our next prayer meeting will be on Tuesday 26th September at Knockbain Free Church on Ferrybrae, North Keswick at 7.30pm. DV. The meeting will be led by Reverend Gavino Fioretti and a short update will be given. All are warmly invited to join us. Another now a reminder of Mrs. Agnes Morrison in Rigmore Hospital. We understand there's been no change, so we do pray for her and for Reverend John Morrison that God will be gracious. And Mrs. Cathy Cameron's daughter, Anne, is very low now, very ill now with terminal cancer. She's asked that they as a family remembered, be remembered at the throne of grace. I'm not sure if there's a fellowship after. I'm very happy to, for people to come through to the manse. Uh, it's just a beer cup of tea, uh, it be good to fellowship with you if you can come. We now close. <clears throat> now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit rest upon you now and ever.